Is there something in this world that's trying to separate you from that love of God? God hasn't changed His mind. God loves you. God paid the price through His Son once and for all. It's a done deal. Signed, sealed, delivered. Boom. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. You know, I, I put this series together recently, and I was going through it. And my wife and I were talking about what to put into, into the bulletin. How to, how to really convey this series, the series I've titled it All Eternity, is wrapped up in you. Did, you. did you know that? God made his plan before the earth was ever created. He made the plan for you. And he wrapped all of eternity around you and around me. And your life and mine is so important to God. I mean... How else can you, how else can you outline it than the words, for God so loved mankind? That's what it means, the world. It's not the dirt heap we're on. He so loved you and me that he gave. Not just something. Like Pastor Philemon said, like, you know, Heather was saying during the worship, like the scriptures are saying, he, he gave of himself. That's how much you were worth. That's how much you are worth. And in the bulletin, if you look in there, what, what do we put in there? Every week we look for something catchy, and Bob does an incredible job of getting the stuff on the screens and working that all through. But just very simply, he loved you then. He loves you still. Now, I don't know about you, but some of us can be a little unlovable. Look at somebody and say, I'm not sure he's talking about me. Yes, we can be unlovable at times. But you know what? I, 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 I've shared this before. At our worst, he loves us the most. Because he said, I know where you're at. And you know the thing about God is God knows how you got there. Have you ever gotten someplace you didn't know how you got there? God knows exactly how you got there. He knows what you did or didn't do. He knows what you said or didn't say. And he knows sometimes you got there and you don't have a clue because the enemy set a trap for you. The thing that helps me in my Christian walk is knowing God loves me in spite of myself. Look at somebody and say, I'm glad he said that today. I, I asked Bill beforehand, so I'm not walking back here. I asked Bill, I said, I might, I might do a song that goes with my sermon today. And I actually came prepared to do that. I wasn't sure, but I thought I would if I could. Do you all mind if I sing a song for you? I better, I better put it back. My goodness. Let me see how, how low he puts this. Oh, yeah, he's younger than me. He wears it way low. Praise the Lord. That's a pretty pick. But I'll use a different one. The only reason is those kind of picks slip out of my fingers. 
I, I don't have a, a earphones on. Uh, Victor, where'd you go? Where's Victor? Ah, I need to make sure that I can hear. So if you could turn this up for me. Is this on? Is it? No? I know you hear the guitar, but I'm not sure if you hear the hear it out there. There it is. Could you make sure I have some monitors up here? Years and years ago, before I ever gave my life to the Lord, I remember going to church. And it really didn't matter what church it was. If you were in Sunday school, you did this song sometime in your life. Could I have some monitors, please? Jesus loves me. This I know. Everyone? For the Bible tells me so Little ones to Him belong They are weak, but He is strong How many ever sing that before? We're going to sing it again And I want you to sing it like you did when you were that child Because as a child, we have faith that some of us lose when we get older. A child believes. A child trusts. A child stands even when they know they've messed up. And mom or dad reaches out and just grabs them. And they, might, they might say, son, you did wrong. Daughter, you did wrong. But they know that sooner or later, dad and mom's going to wrap their arms around them and say how much they love them. So I want to take you back a few years. Some of you is, is fewer than others. But would you sing this song and just take a trip down memory lane of remembering those days? Would you with me? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so Little one to him belong A little more, Victor They are weak, but he is strong Everyone Yes, Jesus loves me Yes, Jesus loves me yes Jesus loves me the Bible tells me so how many believe that today well there's a song that I learned back in the early 80s. I think I've done it in the church at a once or twice over the last seven, eight years. But it kind of deals with a lot of those issues about how much he loves us. Jesus loves me know it's true because he died for me and he died for you when I think of all the things that that he went through I want the world to know and I want to shout the news Jesus loves me this I know It's not just the Bible That tells me so But I can feel it I feel it in my soul Jesus loves me This I know 
Jesus loves me. But did you ever ask, how can it be that the only Son of God should care for me to take away my sins and and set me free to take this old life and make it all it's meant to be Jesus loves me this I know and it's not just the Bible that tells me so but I can feel it I feel it in my soul that Jesus he loves me this I know you know in our lives you and I spend a lot of days up one moment, down the next. Matter of fact, looking up is one of the best things that we know how to do. Not because we're looking up to find God, but we're looking up to get off our backs because we've fallen down so badly. And God wants us to know something. Throughout His Word, He tells us over and over that if you'll just keep your eyes on me, no matter what the problem is, I promise if you lift your eyes just a little bit higher, you'll see my promise is still there for you. No matter where you've been, no matter where you're at, he said, if you'll just trust me, keep your eyes on me, I promise I'll get you where you're going. Can somebody say amen? So let me share the last verse with you. Jesus, he loves me. He loves you too. But listen, there's times we can't understand it all. But he said, just believe it's true. Because he'll take away your old heart. (coughs) And he'll give you one brand new. You know what'll happen? You feel those walls come down in his love. Come breaking through. Jesus loves. Sing with me, would you? This I know. This I know. It's not just the Bible that tells me so. It's not just the Bible that tells me so. But I can feel it. I can feel I feel it in my soul. Feel it in my soul that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know. Everybody sing with me. Jesus loves. This I know. Yes, he does, everyone. It's not just the Bible that tells me so, but I can feel it burning. I feel it in my soul. What do I feel? Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Everyone. This I know. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. He loves us. And you know what? He loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to just let you stay that way. He's working. The Bible says from faith to faith, he's working in your life and mine. Somebody should shout amen because I I need a lot of God's working in my life. Can you say amen? I've made this statement over the years, and it bears repeating today. You and my Christian worldview is so drastically tainted by the secular worldview a lot of Christians have kind of gotten a bad perspective of God. That somehow God can't really, 
you know, as messed up as I am or where I'm at or what, what I have going on. You know, God, yeah. but, but can I tell you something? You need to take that worldview and send it right back to where it came from because it didn't come from God. God's love is God's love. There are many that somehow see God as someone that can't ever be pleased and that will disown you at any moment. But the folks, that's not the God we serve. God's not waiting to write you off. Like some cartoonist would, would depict him as some old guy with a beard waiting around with a, a club to slap you over the head. I actually think, you know, when Bill and Gloria, Ga- Gloria Gaither said Gloria. <laughs> Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote that song, uh, you know, He Touched Me. Remember that song? You know, I, I kind of wonder sometimes, you know, we sing that. God, where are you? And then he reaches down with the two before. Boom! He touched me. Okay. Folks, that's not the God we serve. And I'm sure that's not what Bill and Gloria thought about. And this morning, I just want to take a few minutes, if I could, and I want to help us see God in a, in a fresh way, a new way. I want to take you back like I tried to do in that little song. Back to those days when you just... Loved God because you knew that God loved you. And then it wasn't trying to measure up. It wasn't trying to fit in. It wasn't trying to own up. How much he really loves you and me. And to help us to understand that the love God has and the love God gives is one with no strings attached. Now, granted, you still have to accept it. It's a love that's truly unconditional. Probably the best picture of that was a, a ad that was in a paper. And it was an actual ad that was in a paper many, many years ago. And I've shared it uh, here before. But it, it, it bears repeating. It's such a cute ad. And I was working on this. And I thought, hey, I, need, I need to throw that back in there. And, and the ad was a lost and found article about a lost animal. I think I left it in your notes. And the ad read, lost, one dog. Brown hair, several bald spots. Right leg was broken due to an auto accident. And his rear left hip is hurt. His right eye is missing. And the left ear was bitten off in a dog fight. And he answers to the name Lucky. Folks, I could be that ad. Even though I don't believe in luck as a Christian, I've had a lot of Lucky spots in my life I've had a lot of times when down should have been out can somebody say amen I put, an, I put a quote by J.I. Packer if you've never read it in Packer's materials a very good writer and this kind of encapsulates what I want to say this morning though through setting his love on men God, listen to this, has voluntarily bound up his own final happiness with yours, with mine. I want you you to look at this from, from the perspective of how much God loves you. And then J.I. Packer concludes by saying, he will not know perfect and unmixed happiness again. Until he has brought every one of his children home. Do you know the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms there is no greater joy in heaven than when one of his children come home? This last Friday we had one of our sisters went home to be with the Lord. Uh, Bill Weiss's mom uh, went home to be with the Lord this Friday and we're going to have a Memorial celebration this coming Saturday. But can I tell you something? Even though we're a little forlorn here on earth, heaven's rejoicing. Heaven's rejoicing. How, you know, God, but how do I deal with this part? God will take care of that part too. God will take care of that part. You know, I've shared this for years. The biggest struggle we have with death is God didn't create us for death. 
That's why we have so much. Because it's so final. But can I tell you something? Death thought it won. But Jesus rose the third day and defeated death and the grave. Death is, death is just a comma in life. And one day we will all be together again. Today's message, he did all in us that we could do all through him. Hebrews chapter 4 says these words, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone to the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Would you read that line with me? It's in your notes. You can just follow along. It's on the screen. You can just follow along. But read that with me. Therefore, are you with me? Let's all together now. Therefore, since we have a great high priest. Okay, stop there. This is what the world tries to set us apart from. This is what the enemy tries to cause us to get caught up in a worldview. To forget that we have a high priest who's passed in the heavens. To forget who he is. That we do not hold firm that profession of faith. That we begin to give in, give out. Because the enemy ultimately wants us to give up. Am I making any sense today? I get to have coffee every once in a while with Pastor John Gobble, who's pastored, oh God, many years before me, and he and I get to share war stories. We have a great time just sipping a cup and, and enjoying it together. And There's nothing I'll ever go through that he hasn't already gone through. And you know, there's nothing that you'll ever go through that I haven't gone through. Oh, it may be a different package. It might be a different thing. But God says in the middle of it, if the enemy can get his way, he will work really hard to help you forget that you have a high priest who has already stepped from this planet into heaven. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Because he wants you to throw in the towel on that profession of your faith. Can somebody say amen? But then he outlines, he says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But in every area, I'm not going verbatim, folks, but I'm quoting it to you. Every area was tempted, tried, tested, just like you and me. Yet he did it without falling flat on his face. He did it, the Bible says, without sin. And you know what? Because of that, look what the next line says. Because of that, we can approach God's throne boldly. How many ever fell down? I'm talking metaphorically. How many ever made a mistake in their life? Go ahead, lift your hand. All the rest of us should be doing it too. Folks, I ought to ask how many did it this morning, but I won't put you on the spot. Think about it. Yeah, you fell, but you can boldly stand back up. You can confidently approach that throne because you know there you will see his grace, his mercy, and find help. In that time of need. See this is the picture of the God that loves us. Let me, let me get a little deeper into it. At a place called Gethsemane. Jesus was there in the garden. And he had his disciples. They were so weary and war torn. The Bible says they fell asleep. They couldn't even stay awake. Like some of you this morning. They were so weary with the battle, so war-torn with the stress, the assault of the enemy. The Bible says they couldn't even stay awake. But Jesus went off a little ways, the Bible tells us. Excuse me. 
And he prayed. But this was his prayer. Surrounding that prayer was kind of a, Dad, I'm not sure I want to do this. Dad, son's talking to the father. Is there any other way? And then he said these words, if there is, let this cup pass from me. In other words, I don't know I want to do this. Heather was talking about making a stand for Jesus. There's times of your employment, oh, it may not be the president that they're mocking or coming against. It may be the Lord himself. Jesus can be the Lord's name or somebody's curse word. Ah, oh, pastor, it's just, it's just life. It's just, is it? A lot of times you'll hear them say, God with a different last name. Do I need to fill it in? Worry thou not, I will not. Though I have in times past. How would you like it if they said Tim with that last name? Or Bill with that last four letters? He said, Dad, I don't know if I really want to stand up and do this. But how many are grateful today that he said... Nevertheless, if the cup can't pass except I drink it, thy will. How many are glad he said thy will? Folks, your pastor stands before you as the response of thy will. In another place, the next day, at Calvary, He's there, and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Most Bible scholars believe it was there to where God turned his back on the, on the sun. Why? Because the Hebrew writer says that he had to taste death for every one of us. And that's what he did. He tasted death. What does it mean? Once again, metaphorically, folks, it wasn't just physical dying, but it was understanding what it was like to be separated from his father. The first time in all of eternity, the father and the son were separated. Because that's what ultimate death is. That's what's spiritual. When the Bible says that Adam and Eve died in the garden, well, you know they kept walking, they kept living, they kept breathing. What does that mean? They were separated from God. There was a spiritual death. The Bible says that's appointed unto man once to die. But after this, the judgment, then that is when spiritual death is brought to its finality. The Bible tells us Jesus tasted death. Father, why have you forsaken me? And then, thank goodness, he looked beyond time. He looked beyond the years. And he said, but Father, for your will I came. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Let me quickly take you through this very simple message this morning, if I could. Number one is when God said, I do, he did. When God said, I do, he did. Well, pastor, what's that mean? He said, I do love you. And he did. He gave his all for you. When I said, I do to my wife, I did. And I'm done. Everything I am is hers. Everything I hope to be is hers. Can I tell you something? When I said, I do to the Lord, it was completely taking that a million times more. Most of us spend our entire lives trying to find love, acceptance, and forgiveness. 
A place where we are accepted and loved unconditionally, without reservation, no strings attached. Can I tell you something? We are looking for a place, every single man and woman and child in this building, we are looking for a place where we do not have to prove ourselves, where we can be whom we are without fear of who we once were or whom we now aren't. Without fear of somebody asking. I want to take into God's word. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. Just rapid fire if you would. Because the Bible gives us a place like that. It gives us a place like no place on earth. Where we are accepted unconditionally. Without reservation, no strings are attached. And you know where that place is? That place is called in God. When I'm in God, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you like. It doesn't matter what anybody says. Let me share with you. First Samuel 23 says, in God is where I find my strength. Psalm 42 says, it's in God. That I find my hope. Psalm 44 said. It's in God that I find my boasting. Psalm 56 tells me. It's in God. That in my praise and adoration. And worship comes. In Psalm 62 it says. In God I find my rejoicing. In Psalm 78 it says. In God I find my rest. How you like in that place so far? In God. In Habakkuk, he says, in God, I find my faith. Mark 11 and 1 John says, whoever lives in love lives in God. And God lives in him, in her. I don't have to prove anything. I live in that place. See, This is what the enemy tries to get me to swerve my confidence. Because my confidence is in God. Can somebody say amen? You see, if you and I, if we find all these things to be true, and the Bible declares and articulates that they are, then what are we trying to prove? Who are we trying to prove things to? I listened to Heather once again this morning. She's at work. And she makes a mistake and she apologizes. And somebody has the audacity to say, well, I I know you're a Christian. You don't have to apologize. Because I'm a Christian, I have to apologize even more. Why? It's not that I'm mistakeless. Is that a word? Mistake hyphen list. There we go. It makes it a word. It's not that I'm mistake without mistake. There we go. It's not that I'm without mistake, but when I do, I want my, the people I work with to know, yeah, I, I, I'm, no, Jesus was the perfect one, but the reality is I shouldn't have done that. Will you please forgive me? Oh, you, you don't have to. You don't have to. Oh, yes, I do. You see, because it's not my name that was on the line, it was his. Am I making sense? And you see, it's not that we're trying to be perfect. Folks, people, you know, they, well, you know, don't judge me. I said, You see the nail prints? I'm not judging. The reality, ladies and gentlemen, we will fall short. Well, let me, me, okay. I want to put an addendum in there. I will fall short. You may not. Who are we trying to prove anything? See, look, look what Romans tells me. Who shall separate me from God's love? The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that while I was still a sinner, Jesus died for me. While I was still a sinner. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I believe we spend so much time trying to prove our love to others, trying to find acceptance 
when God says, I don't need you to prove your love to me. Just live for me because in that I'll prove my love to you. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to prove how much he loves us. Look what the psalmist records. He parted the heavens and came down. Last week on part one of this series, I I, I titled the sermon, He Stepped Out of Eternity Into Time. He parted the heavens for you. Look at somebody and say, man, he really must love me. He stepped out of eternity. And he went to that place called Gethsemane and said, Dad, is there some other way? Can this cup pass from me? But if not, except I drink it, that's what I'm here for. Next week, I'm going to conclude this series, but the book of Isaiah says that God looked for a righteous man and he couldn't find any. So he sent his own strong arm. Well, who's his strong arm? His name is Jesus. He sent his own strong arm to do what none of us could do. You see, the reality, folks, we're never not going to fall short. He parted the heavens. Because you and I couldn't get to heaven any other way, he parted the heavens and stepped down. In, in the 19th verse of Psalm 18, it says, he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me. Look what it says there. He rescued me. Why did he rescue me? Look at this. Because he delighted. Now this is a prophecy going towards the Lord. But he is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You think he's delighting in you too? Yes. A story that I shared a couple years ago that just came back to my mind when I was working on this, and it was the story of an old farmer that's in a in his house, and he's sitting by a warm fire, and it's a bitter cold of winter, and and it's all of a sudden he's he's hearing this thud on the window. Can't figure out what it is. It's, he was home all alone. His wife had gone to church, but he was one of those guys that that didn't go to church. Why? Because he couldn't figure this whole God thing out. What was, I mean, come on. Jesus dying on the cross. Pay the price for my sins. Come, what, what, come on. There's, there's got to be more to it than that. This doesn't make sense. How many ever went through those things? It just doesn't compute. There had to be a different way, God. Why don't you just, you know, come down here and show up and, and, and you know, wave a baton or something and say, hey, I'm God and here I am and all follow me and I'll be good. Well, he was in his house, and he's kind of a little on the cynical side of his wife always going to church and always doing that, and he keeps hearing this thud, and he's thinking, what in the world is this? He opens the door, and he looks outside. He doesn't see anything. He thought somebody might be knocking. Well, he closes the door. He goes back inside, and, and he's sitting by his nice warm fireplace and the window is kind of cracked open and and they could you know the, the, the where you could see the firelight and all of a sudden he, he sees thud thud and he gets up and he kind of a little perturbed he opens the door and he looks out there so look what what and all of a sudden he glanced and he noticed a handful of little birds huddling in a tree and all of a sudden one of them flew out and hit the window he said, they're trying to get inside to get warm. And they're all shivering together and keeping themselves warm. And he said, i got to do something. This little guy's going to die. And so he, he has his barn not too far away. And he goes and opens the doors. And, and he turns the lights on in the barn. And, and he does all that. And he says, sure, they're going to see that. Well, they just see him. He's just some monster. He's some giant. They don't do anything. They just huddle together. He goes back inside. He closes the door. What do I do? All of a sudden, thud, thud on the window again. He had an idea. He said, I know. I know. I'll, I'll set a bread trail. I, you know, it worked for Hansel and Gretel. I mean, it might, might maybe work for these guys. I mean, so he lays a bread trail, and, and the birds just huddle there. They're shivering. I mean, the guy's a monster. 
They don't know what this guy, does he want to kill him? Does he, what, what? And then he started thinking, he said, man, if I could, man, if I could just become like one of them, I could talk to them. I could share. And then it dawned on him that God couldn't just show up. He had to become like us. He had to become one of us to relate to us. How much did God love us? So much that he parted the heavens and stepped down. The second thing quickly. When God said, I do, we can do nothing. That'll change his mind. Now, folks, that doesn't mean that you're going to accept it. doesn't mean you're going to live for him. It doesn't even mean you're going to make heaven. He is going to love you, whatever you decide. Because he gave you that choice. You see, that's what choice does. It advocates love. He loved us so much that he gave us the choice to choose him, to live for him, to be a part of him. Just like a child growing up, if you, if you take that child and you're teaching that child to ride a bicycle, you put the training wheels on it. And they go down and they're, oh, I'm riding, I'm riding, I'm riding. But sooner or later, you've got to take the wheels off. That child has to learn balance. Can I tell you something? In your life and mine, we have to learn balance. Right from wrong, good from evil. Righteousness from worldliness. We got to learn. We got to learn which road to step on. God has to pull the wheels off. Oh God, I'm, if you do, I'm gonna fall down. I'm gonna hurt myself. If you don't keep me locked back, where's love? Love says you got to be able to do it yourself. You got to be able to make that choice. You got to be able to get through this. You got to be able to decide. Can somebody say amen? The 103rd Psalm says it this way. The Lord is like a father to his children. He's tender. He's compassionate to those that fear him. You see, if you choose not to fear him, you choose not to follow him, he's still going to love you, but he's going to let you do what you want to do. He knows our frame. He knows we're dust. He knows that one day we're going to stand before him as savior or judge. But right here on this earth, there's nothing you can do that can make God love you more. There's nothing you can do that makes God love you less. His love is unconditional, impartial, everlasting, infinite, and perfect. All God wants us to do is just to give our all to Him. Give her all. If I go back to our text in Hebrews 4, there's a lot of us that go through things in our life and we wonder, God, do you really understand? Do you really know what's going on? I know some of us sit back and say, well, how, how could God have ever gone through everything that I've gone through? Well, he's God. He knows where you've been. He knows where you are at now. And all he's saying is, will you make a choice to let me take you where you need to go? It's, it says that in every area of your life and mine, he was tested. He was tried. Yet he did not fail. Do you know why? He said, because if I fail, then Carol has no hope. If I fail, Jeff's done. If I fail, Bob and Tina, Scott, Jewel, what hope do they have? You see, ladies and gentlemen, our hope is in God. And because he didn't 
fail, we don't have to fail. That's why he says, hold fast that profession. You know, another word for profession is commitment. Do you know another word for profession? How many people have a profession called a job, called a work ethic? Hold fast that commitment, that profession before God, saying, God, you're the boss. I'm working for you. I'm living for you. I'm doing this for you. You did it without sin, Lord. Help me to stay in you. One of the most amazing things I know about God is that when we do right the least, he loves us the most. You say, Pastor, that sounds contrary. How does that work? Because he's there saying, come on, you can do it. You don't have to fall down. You don't have to give in. You don't have to give up. You can do it. You see, ladies and gentlemen, simply put, he knows us, he loves us, and he's not changing his mind about us. Know this, when we are the weakest, the Bible says that's when his strength comes into our lives. For it's when we're the weakest that we come closest to understanding how much God must have loved us because of what his son went through. Let me take you back to the 103rd Psalm just for a moment as I begin to wrap this up this morning. Start with verse 1 says, I bless the holy name of God with all my heart. Yes, I will bless the Lord and not forget, listen, all the glorious things he does for me. And then list, he forgave me of all my sins. He healed me. And if that wasn't enough, look what it says here. He ransomed me from hell. And then he keeps me in his loving kindness and his tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. Ephesians chapter 1 says it this way. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, I'm reading out the message translation, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. Because of that, we are a free people. We're free. Folks, people say, well, you know, I, I can't. Folks, we're not, we're not free from sin. We're free not to sin. We don't have to. Before Christ, before you were in God, you didn't have a choice. What do sinners do? They sin. But because of the blood of Jesus that was poured out on the altar of the cross, he made you free. And who the Son sets free is free. Free from the penalties. Free from the punishments that were chalked up against everything that I ever did wrong. And look what it says. I'm not merely a free person. I'm abundantly free. Folks, this is the life that I live from and the life that I live in. The scripture goes on to say he thought of everything. He provided for everything we could possibly need. And it's in Christ in God that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we ever heard about Jesus and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. And he designed a glorious life for you. A victorious life. Just like the little story in your notes, you and I are special to God. Doesn't matter how wrong we do, doesn't matter how right we do. We were so special that He sent His only Son to die. And lastly, as the worship team comes, when God said, I do, He became. That was pizza. He became man's hope.
we became his heart. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no place in God's word. You probably need to shut these things off. That's probably what the problem is. There's no place in God's word where he puts a criterion on actions and requirements to deserve his love. Rather, he continually reminds us of his mercy. That's right. Don't turn anything on up here until I'm done. Yeah, turn those off. There's no place. No place. That can separate us. Jeremiah was having a troubling time in the third chapter thinking about the world thinking about the struggles think about the troubles but then he reminded himself of God's promises and he said it's because of the Lord's tender mercies that I'm not consumed it's because his compassions never fail but every morning they're brand new it's because of his faithfulness and then I'm reminded that he wrote these words and I believe Hebrews 4 re-establishes uh, re them when it said the Lord is my portion therefore I put my hope in him he said I have my profession of faith and the Lord is good to those who wait for him and the soul who seeks him he said I boldly come to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in time of need. I don't know what that passage does for you, but listen to me. It is a great encouragement to me. I know that every day of my life in God, I have hope. Not in myself, in Him. Romans 8. says, I am convinced that nothing can separate me from God's love. He did everything for me, church, that I could do everything through Him. Nothing. Now, this isn't a license to sin. The Bible says, do I sin that grace may? Not at all. But when I'm living for Him, when I've dedicated my life to Him, I'm keeping my eyes on Him, nothing can separate me from God's love. And I, I love the way that, that Paul, through the Holy Spirit, writes this. The very first thing he says is the thing we fear the most. He says, can death? Can death separate me from God's love? No. I don't know how God feels about people that have died without Him. But I'm sure it's a burden and a weight and a longing that He might carry for eternity. All those He died for that didn't choose Him. Oh, He still chose you. He said, shall death? No. What about life? What if I make... Everything I do revolves around life. Well, it can separate you, but God isn't making that choice. Can death? Can life? No. Angels? No. They, they won't. And the powers of hell itself can't keep me away from God's love. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're dealing with stuff. He says, your fears, they don't have to keep you away. Worries about tomorrow or where you are today? You see, high above the sky or the deepest ocean, nothing will be able to separate us from the love that is demonstrated by our Lord Jesus when He died at Calvary. He did all for you that you could do all through Him. The question that I asked this morning, 
is are you? Are you giving your all to him that you can live through him? Or is there something else still distracting you? Pastor Philemon came up here and and, and he made the statement of Hebrews 12. Lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily entangles you. Is there something in this world that's trying to separate you from that love of God? God hasn't changed his mind. God loves you. God paid the price through his son once and for all. It's a done deal. Signed, sealed, delivered. Boom. But he still says it's our choice. That's how much God loves us. But are we allowing something to separate us? I wonder today that you will say, God, I know the worldview is trying to bottle me up and confuse me and frustrate me. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to serve God. Some of you in your jobs, because they know you're a Christian, they always try to get at you. Oh, what do I do? I got to be politically correct. No, you don't. You got to be biblically correct. You see, if God's for me, who can be against me? And if I stand for him, all of hell fall before him. All those people will. I've shared this story before, but on my when we first started the church, I was working a a job, a full time job, and and uh, doing the church as we were starting, and and I was taken took taken taken. They called me into the office because one of the other employees reported me. They said I was praying with people at my desk. So the manager came in there and came in with the brother in the office talked to me he said you gotta stop doing that you can't do that I said okay and I'll go ahead and give my two weeks notice well the manager made, no 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 see the nice thing about being a Christian you should be the top employee in your job because you're actually not working for that company you're working for Jesus Amen. and you're supposed to be the best and on that job I was the best employee they had that's not putting a feather in my cap that's putting a feather in his cap. Because I was working as under the Lord. And they said, oh, no, no, we, we don't want you to do that. I said, when people come in and they ask me to pray, right. I'm going to pray. That's right. I'm not going to stand at my desk and preach. I'm not going to tell everybody to repent because they're burning in hell, whether I think that or not. They asked me if I could pray. Yes, I'm going to pray. And they said, okay, just don't let us know. And I told them, I didn't let you know. One of my coworkers did. Can I tell you what I did? Is I stood up for him. That's right. And then he stood up for me. Amen. You can do the same thing. Let them know how much he loves you by how much you love him. Don't ever be dissuaded. Where are you at? Folks, we live in a precarious world. And the closer the return of Christ comes, the harder it's going to be for you to stand up for us. Are you going to? Are you going to stand up and say, God, I love you. And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm going to let everybody know. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.